The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey, everybody, and welcome today to Afternoons with Mike. This particular program is being recorded on Wednesday, the Wednesday of Hurricane Ian. And we're all just waiting. This is the calm before the storm. Able to get this recording in with Dr. John Monroe, who I recently became familiar with because of his coming on to The Shepherd in the program The Verdict. It's on every day, a a couple of times a day, and it is a great program. Dr. Monroe, thank you for being with me, and welcome to the program. Well, thanks for very much, Mike. We're excited about being on the uh, radio stations there in Orlando and area, and uh, looking forward to our conversation today. Yes, uh, we're so excited about it. I know that uh, this whole, uh, just this whole thing about the verdict is number one. It's a great name. I like the way you've positioned your program. Uh, I know that it is the media ministry of Calvary there in Charlotte, and that's where you are. But all one has to do is to take a listen to your teaching, and they they know you're not from Charlotte. I mean, there's something about it, right? <laughs> that's uh, that's right. I'm trying to learn the local language, but it's difficult. <laughs> but I can say y'all. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, well, uh, as may be obvious by my accent, I'm Scottish. I was born in uh, born in Scotland, lived there, uh, raised there, and uh, in God's providence, uh, had uh, godly parents. They're both now with the Lord, and so I feel like you remember Paul says to Timothy in Second Timothy three, from a child. You've known the Holy Scriptures, which are mm-hmm. able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So from uh, an early age, Mike, um, I learned the, learned the gospel and very thankful for that. And then when I was 12 years old at a Christian youth camp where I went to play soccer, uh, I heard the gospel. And it was at that time uh, I placed my faith in Christ as my personal Savior and Lord. And although I was young, 12 years old, that uh, changed the rest of my life. Wow. You know, there's an expression we have over here on this side of the pond that it's stuck, and it certainly did stick in you, right? Right, it did, uh, through, through God's grace, absolutely. Yes, I think that is the important qualifier. God was the uh, initiator, and he is the sustainer of our of our faith, and uh, that's really wonderful. At 12 years old, so you went to that camp thinking you'd be doing one thing, but uh, God's providence was about something else. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I heard the gospel. I could have uh, explained it to someone. I uh, had memorized the scriptures from, from my home, from Sunday school, but it was there I realized that I needed to call out to Christ for salvation, and uh, I did that and uh, was uh, uh, saved by God's grace. Um, praise God. So early on, how uh, did you? How soon did you know that it was going to be something of a call on your life to be a pastor? Uh, well, at that point, I had uh, absolutely no idea, and um, as I grew in my teenage years, towards the probably my last year at high school uh, in Scotland, um, thinking of a career, mm-hmm. uh, I chose, much to my parents' chagrin, uh, I chose a legal career. My older brother was a year and a half older than me, and he had gone into medicine, and they thought that was a a great profession for for Christians, and my father had a very low view of lawyers. So when uh-huh. I announced that I wanted to go to law school, they were surprised, and no one in their family uh, had any connection with uh, lawyers. But um, through reading uh, various legal stories, um, I don't know what it must have been. I just felt that that is something that the Lord wanted me to do. So I remember sitting down with my parents 
and uh, my father sort of saying, you know, was I really, what was I thinking about? And uh, my mother saying to my dad, he was called Tom. She said, Tom, uh, I'm one of six boys. I've, I've uh, uh, five brothers. And she said, Tom, we always prayed for the boys, one, that they would come uh, to faith in Christ, and secondly, that they would do God's will. And John is saying he believes God is guiding him there, so um, don't we need to accept that? And so they did give me my blessing. And so I went to Edinburgh University, went through law school there, and uh, practiced law for 11 years in Scotland. So I uh, that was my my first call into the legal world, and Mm -hmm. uh, I believe that's where, that's what God had for me. And I uh, thoroughly enjoyed uh, practicing, uh, practicing law and sought to incorporate into my legal practice, uh, my faith in Christ. Now, that background that you have as a lawyer certainly was not wasted on what you're doing now, right? Well, no, and that's really one of the reasons why I called the program uh, the verdict that um, I, you know, I did litigation, and uh, for some time I was a criminal prosecutor in Scotland. And uh, you, you know, you look for a verdict, uh, a judge or a yes. jury, uh, after listening to the evidence, uh, has to return a verdict. And so, when I thought when I began uh, the radio ministry, I thought what what name to call it, and thought well. Um, I am there to proclaim the Word of God. I can't save souls. I can't get into people's hearts, but I can call for people to uh, to make a verdict. That's, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in their heart, but there has to be the response of the individual. So uh, I've called it, called it verdict and uh, asked people. I always finish by sort of saying, well, what's your verdict? In other words, what's your response? You've heard God's truth. Uh, what are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. Now, this idea of doing a, a program like The Verdict, where you're on radio, I know that a pastor does much work in his congregation, and certainly there's a lot to do, and probably enough to do, but it's clear that you had a vision that went beyond just even the the walls of Calvary there, uh, the Calvary Church in Charlotte, and now you're on these radio stations around the country and God's blessing that. Was that something that, again, early on, you had an idea once you're in ministry uh, that uh, you would do? Well, it was, uh, not really. It was it was others uh, who said to me, uh, John, uh, have you ever thought of going on the radio? And <clears throat> I really didn't know much about about that, but I did know that it would cost money, and I've always been. Uh, uh, very reluctant to ask people for for money, and you know, as an attorney, uh, God's blessed, and you're living in a different level as an attorney. But when God called me into ministry, my wife and I resolved that we were going to go by faith. We weren't going to ask people for money. So I always had, uh, rightly or wrongly, I had a hesitancy, and I thought, you know, I can't. I can't ask people for uh, for money. That doesn't seem right. Um, so uh, I had a, a hesitation there, and then uh, several people said, "John, you need to consider it." And here at Calvary, when it went before our elders, we have a elder government, um, so elder rule, if you like. Mm-hmm. And uh, the elders discussed it. We prayed about it, and they said, uh, "John, we'd like you to do this, and uh, you do it with our blessing." And it it has become, Mike, which which I really appreciate, not a separate ministry from Calvary Church, but is a ministry of Calvary Church. And so I don't feel I'm being torn in two directions. That's right, as it were. Um, this is uh, this is not my ministry. I'm I'm a, a key person in it, but uh, people feel, uh, John, uh, you're preaching needs a, a wider audience. We do that through missions. We do that, you know, into prisons, various ways. But here is another avenue to do it into uh, radio. So really, it wasn't, uh, in a sense, my vision. It was brought before me, and God has graciously expanded it. We, we've we've had uh, many opportunities, and uh, God God has blessed and God has guided us uh, in this. And you know, this opening came 
uh, in your own stations, Mike, there in Florida. And uh, we thought we prayed about it. Uh, we made inquiries and we're delighted that we have that audience in, uh, in Florida now. Right, not only in Orlando, but in uh, all separate stations. Uh, that's where you are. Right. So through uh, Gainesville and Ocala and the villages, we're honored to have you as a part. And I know our late great friend Gary Meeks was part of your introduction to us. And yes. uh, boy, that was that's a right. that was a shock when the Lord called him home. That came out of the blue. We weren't quite ready to say goodbye to him. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, we didn't get to say goodbye. It's just one of those things that happened, but we're so thankful that he was a part of us and served as the link between you and us, and we're thankful for yes. that. Yeah, that, that was a that was a shock, was such as life, and that's why there's a urgency in the message of the gospel, isn't it? That uh, oh yes, today people uh, we can delay, delay, and uh, that's why in the verdict I like to call for a, a response realizing that the Spirit is first to act uh, in the heart. As you earlier said, it's God who initiates our salvation, um, but there has to be a human uh, response as yes, well there for does. salvation. Yeah. That's right. As many as received him, and that is uh, the part that we have to play. And that's yeah. just so great <clears throat> that uh, we had that opportunity to to get to know you through Gary before he passed, and um, and now we're just enjoying the benefit of your years and your calling on, uh, with regards to the gospel on our station. So it is great. Now you were an attorney in uh, right. Scotland, and yet somehow there was this thing called the call of God on your life. When did that happen? How did that happen? Uh, well, I uh, had practiced for a few years in Scotland, and I went for. Uh, lunch uh, with a fellow attorney who who asked me a question which turned out changed my life. Uh, he said, John, do you foresee uh, practicing law for the rest of your life? And I very quickly, maybe even arrogantly said, well, of course, I you know, qualified. Uh, then I was in private practice. I had left the uh, criminal prosecution. I was in private practice as a litigator. Um, I had, you know, you know, wonderful life, as it were. Mm-hmm. And uh, but as I walked away, Mike, the spirit um, uh, convicted me. I thought, well, I answered that very quickly, very somewhat arrogantly, and isn't my life surrendered to Christ? And it was that beginning which changed, uh, changed me. And uh, it was an impression of the spirit. I didn't hear a voice. There's no writing in the sky. But I became convicted, thought about it. Now, we, my wife and I were uh, involved in a local church there. I was teaching a Bible class. I'd served as a, uh, in leadership. So, you know, we were living uh, godly lives. Um, but I also um, had been reading uh, some books when I'd gone for, uh, on vacation by uh, uh, faculty of Dallas Theological Seminary. Mm. And I was intrigued by that. And so with this in my heart and reading this literature, I thought, you know, this is, I'd love to be able to, to, to study uh, the scriptures and theology in, 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 uh, in depth. So over, over uh, a few months, it really happened quite quickly, I began to, to believe that God was calling me. And uh, when I shared this with my wife, uh, she was totally uh, surprised. And uh, really, the thought uh, of my leaving my legal career, and from a human standpoint, that was a, it was a bad time to leave. Um, and also, I felt I was going to go to Dallas uh, Seminary to study theology, which would meant, uh, you know, basically selling up in, in, in Scotland and moving there. Right. Now, we're talking about coming what, on the other side of the pond here. That's right. We'd never been to Dallas. I'd never been to Dallas. I'd been to the U.S., a couple of times, once as a student, and, and once my wife and I, I went on vacation uh, down to, in fact, to southern Florida. Um, so our knowledge, you know, was was very, very limited. But God put that on our heart, and uh, after prayer discussion, uh, that's what we did. I resigned from my, from my law uh, practice. Uh, we sold our home. 
um, everything we had. Mm. Um, and at God's grace, I was able financially to uh, support ourselves during uh, four years. This was in the early 1980s. Now, uh, went to Dallas Seminary and uh, did the uh, Master of Theology uh, degree there. It was a culture shock for us. My wife is Scandinavian. She, Scandinavian. She comes from Denmark, so it was even more so of a shock to her. Mm-hmm. We speak. You know, I speak the same language as Americans, but there's still a lot of differences between the cultures. But it was a fantastic experience, and I felt I was grounded in Scripture, in theology, had some wonderful uh, professors who, who really displayed Christ to me, and that was my theological training. I felt if God was calling me to uh, preach and teach His Word, I needed to get a good foundation. Um, and I believe that's what I got at Dallas Seminary. It sounds like you did, and not only a, a master's in theology, but you went on to get your doctor's uh, degree. I did. I got, uh, after a few years, I got my doctorate uh, there, and um, I had I had believed, um, probably presumed, that might be the better word, that after our my theological education, I would return to Scotland. Really, what would my desire would be there's a great need there. As you may know, uh, Europe, including the UK, uh, is is spiritually dark. Uh, there's some wonderful lights, but um, it's spiritually dark. The moral decline mm-hmm. has impacted uh, Europe tremendously. Um, but uh, God uh, led otherwise. I had done an internship in, in uh, Pittsburgh. I had a former client who lived in Pittsburgh, and when I was a student at Dallas, he asked me uh, to visit them, and there was a small <clears throat> group of believers uh, just beginning a, a church, they didn't have a pastor, and I preached there, and then later uh, they asked if I would I would go as their, as their pastor, and we really fought that for a few months when I was still a student at Dallas, and then it seemed clear that's where the Lord <clears throat> would have us, so my first pastorate was in... Uh, in Pennsylvania, in uh, Pittsburgh, were there for seven and a half years. Wow. Well, that's really a, a different area altogether than down here in Florida as well. So you've seen Florida, you've lived in North Carolina, been in Pittsburgh, and went to school in Texas. You've had a good taste of the U.S., right? Yes, and uh, we, uh, my wife and I have uh, enjoyed, uh, you know, visiting Florida uh, Florida, uh, a little. It's not really all that far from here. That's from right. Yeah. In uh, Charlotte, into like Jacksonville is about six and a half, seven hours away. So it's not all that far. Well, you just wouldn't want to come down today. But apart from that, it's no. <laughs> <laughs> no I, I think we'll stay in uh, in uh, Charlotte. One of our former pastors uh, uh, took over a church revitalized in New Smyrna Beach. Ah, okay, and yeah. So I was yeah. there, he invited me about a year and a half ago, and we went down and uh, preached in in a, in a church, a small church there. That's awesome. And uh, so that, that uh, gave me a taste of uh, the spiritual life in Florida. In Central Florida. My guest today yeah. is Dr. John Monroe. He is the senior pastor at Calvary Church, and that is in Charlotte. We'll be back with him uh, and finding out more about his radio ministry when we return. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. Are you looking for the right franchise to open your own business? Green Flag Franchise has the experience and knowledge to help match your business plan with your goals and values. Is your business ready to become a franchise? Green Flag Franchise will help you explore the potential and benefits of franchising your existing company. For a free consultation and coaching, visit GreenFlagFranchise.com. That's GreenFlagFranchise.com. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Turning 65 or already on Medicare? Have you tried to compare Medicare supplement plans? 
Are you sick and tired of the awful TV commercials where washed-up football players confuse you even more? Speak with a licensed independent insurance agent today. Call 407-965-4166 now. Or visit Affordable One Insurance in Winter Park, Florida, and discuss what is important for you. Be sure to ask us about dedicated senior medical centers. My guest today is Dr. John Monroe, pastor of Calvary Church in Charlotte and the host and teacher on a program called The Verdict, which about a couple of months ago we began carrying here right on our Shepherd Radio Network stations in Orlando, Ocala, The Villages, and in Gainesville. And those that listen to Dr. Monroe instantly note that he has this delightful Scottish accent and he came by that quite honestly, having grown up there, raised there, and uh, worked in law for 11 years there before coming stateside here to the U.S., attending Dallas Theological Seminary, and graduating with his doctorate degree from there, master's and then doctorate, and uh, here and now serving in the church. And one of the things we were talking about before we uh, ended the break here, or during the break, was the fact that your years in in the legal profession, especially as a litigator, really positioned you to deal with people and people in conflict, right? Well, yes. Um, you know, and life life is hard. Life is, uh, we're all involved in conflict. We see that in in marriages. We see that in churches sometimes between pastors and boards and so on. So uh, that was helpful. And looking at things, I trust. Uh, objectively, not getting too easily upset when people disagree, and uh, the ability to listen, to understand um, another point of view, uh, all of that is very helpful. Mm-hmm. It's great experience, and again, uh, borrowing from a phrase I used in the first segment, God's plans are such that our experiences, even in a different profession, are never wasted, they're never lost in our calling that we now have. And in, for you, I know you're able to draw from that experience, I am sure, daily in your life. And that's really great. When you look back at your uh, experience as an attorney, what would have been your favorite things and what would be the things you probably found that you liked the least? You mean practicing law? Practicing law, yes. Yes, um, I, I suppose... I like the um, uh, a situation where you're confronted with a problem. Um, a business and individual uh, are in turmoil, and uh, you seek to resolve that. Uh, I had a strong sense of justice. I think I hope I tr- I still have that. And so, as a prosecutor, at least in Scotland, perhaps unlike in the U.S. Uh, we're told uh, we're not expected to win every case because sometimes the evidence uh, is in the favor of the accused. We're there, we're there to represent uh, Her Majesty, um, and uh, we are there to seek justice. We're not there to win cases at every, you know, <clears throat> irrespective of the evidence. Sometimes the evidence as it comes out in the court or in the preparation points. Uh, to the innocence of the accused. So I enjoyed that. And as a litigator, I like dealing with maybe a complex problem uh, and seeking to resolve it. So I enjoyed that. Things I didn't like, uh, there is a lot of conflict. There's a lot of, there can be a lot of showmanship. Uh, There can, you know, you're seeking truth, but witnesses lie, uh, fellow attorneys uh, manipulate and lie, and obviously um, I don't miss that that side of it. Yeah, there's always some of the bad that goes along with the good, but it sounds like you yes. have uh, you've got a good grasp on on both of those things, and uh, that's really that's really great. I, again, I'm so thankful that you're here. You know, when you look at the, having experience, again, going to school in Texas, serving in uh, Pittsburgh, uh, what was it like to come to Charlotte? That's a beautiful area. Uh, we love Charlotte. Um, we had friends who lived uh, down on the coast in here in North Carolina. And so when we were contacted by uh, the search committee at Charlotte, we had some knowledge of North Carolina, always loved it. Um, you know, you've got the beaches, 
You've got the mountains. You've got a, a, a large international airport, which we, which we like. Uh, if we can, you know, for traveling uh, to our families in in Europe. So, um, however, you know, we we never go to just because of the place. We want to know is the Lord is the Lord in it. But we find the people very welcoming, very warm uh, to us, and uh, it's been uh, it's been a wonderful experience for us. Mm. We love Charlotte, and we love we love North Carolina, even though uh, when you go out of Charlotte. Uh, the, the the accent can be very very strong, and sometimes <laughs> yes. I have difficulty understanding them, and they have difficulty understanding me. <laughs> oh, that's we're what... both trying to speak English, but of a different brand. Well, you come a lot closer to the real deal English uh, than what most of us over here, which we speak some variant, an Americanized variant of it. But uh, what was it like for you and uh, and your wife for the recent events of the Queen's death? What was that like? The recent, uh, oh, for the Queen's death? Yes. Well, it, it was, uh, it, you know, I mean, she was 96. She was my mother's age, in fact. But it was still a shock. Uh, growing up with her all my all my life, uh, highly respected. And in a strange way, uh, in a, sort of an invisible, intangible way, she provides stability for the nation. Uh, it's like someone there who's always there, who's very measured, very dependable. Uh, I believe she she had a strong faith uh, in Christ. So it was quite a shock, uh, uh, Mike. And um, uh, we're praying that through her testimony and the various services that that would that impact on the spiritual life of uh, the British uh, would be deepened. Mm. Amen. I, I know that she had an impact. Because of the character, her her love for the Lord was was uh, well known, and many people are making statements like, "Yeah, it, it'll be difficult to have that replicate." I think it'd be difficult to replicate replicate a life that served a, the crown for seventy years. That's that's uh, what first time ever that it's gone that long. So that's the longest reign of any English monarch. That, that's right. I, I would. I have to correct you, Mike. Is a British monarch, not an English. Sorry, British. Got to do it that yeah. way. Yeah, that's right. I I, I stand corrected, sir, and you're yeah, exactly I right. I correct you, Mike. But uh, as a Scotsman, I'm a I'm a little fragile when it comes to that because I heard even on uh, the news people saying the Queen of England and, and looked at my wife and uh, she knew what I was thinking. Oh, <laughs> yeah. she's not the Queen. Of... In fact, Mike, a little lesson in history. The first uh, monarch of Scotland and England was the King James of the King James of the Bible mm-hmm. on the 1611, and he was King James the Sixth of Scotland. And when the first Queen Elizabeth uh, died, Queen Elizabeth the uh, First, she didn't have any children, and so he became uh, King James the First of England, but the Sixth of Scotland in the Union of the Crowns in uh, I think it was 1603, and that was the King James that we know of the King James Bible. So, uh, yeah, the Scots, we're, there's only 5 million Scots and, and about 60 million English, so we have to stand up and make our, our presence <laughs> and you've, felt and loud, you've, loud and clear. <laughs> well, you've done a marvelous <laughs> job of that, and I am, I'm so happy to get that lesson right there that you just gave us, even if it came at my own uh, expense of making a stupid statement like that. So oh, well, you're, you're excused. Yeah, I, hear, I hear it all the time. Yeah. I bet. Yeah, I know you do. Now, there's another person from the British uh, background, but not from Scotland and not from England, but from from Ireland that is on our radio station, and he he is uh, 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 Philip de Courcy. I don't know if you've met Philip before. Have you ever talked with him? Uh, I don't. I, I I must say I haven't. I'm, I'm not saying I keep away from Irish people because uh, <laughs> the joke is the, the Irish and the Scots are united in the common em- enemy of the English. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but, but I haven't met Philip. Look forward to doing that. I'm going to have to get off this subject before I start some sort of a civil war here. <laughs> this is, yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is this is great. But Philip is a great guy, and between his accent and yours, my goodness, this is a marvelous thing. And we're so grateful, again, sir, to have you on. And the depth of your uh, teaching, 
shows the depth of your walk with God. And that's the most important thing that I, I, I could say for you. What kind of series are you at uh, the Calvary right now going through? What kind of teaching series? What are you studying? Uh, well, I normally go through consecutively through a book. I've just finished the Gospel of Matthew with its 28 chapters. That's probably the, the longest series um, I've uh, preached. And I've, I'm doing a series which is uh, very unusual on the seven deadly sins. Mm. Um, never heard a series on that. I've been thinking about it for some time. You know, we have the the view in society uh, that there's not such a thing as sin, and that's even impacting some churches. So I thought I'd, I'd do a series on uh, an introduction on sin, and then I'm I'm doing a series on each of the seven deadly sins. I started with uh, pride, uh, envy, and this Sunday it is anger. So that will be that um, series. And then on Sunday evenings, um, through COVID, we, we stopped meeting on Sunday evenings, and uh, as from uh, this month, we resumed just uh, initially twice a month just to see what the response would do, and I'm preaching through the book of uh, Ephesians. Mm. So that's that's where I am at uh, at present. So you have that ability to do two studies expositionally uh, by having that Sunday night service different, so that's really great. Yeah, it's 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 you know a lot of work you know from your pastor at uh, Mike it's a, um, a lot of work but mm-hmm. uh, we have people who who uh, you know I felt who love who love the Word of God and uh, will continue to do that as uh, as they respond so I'm doing this series Seven Deadly Sins and that will take me up to the end of uh, November and then we'll we'll do we're sort of into the Christmas. Uh, season, and I'm doing a series on at the manger. I'll deal with the, uh, I'm going to deal with uh, Joseph, Mary, uh, the shepherds, and of course uh, Christ. We have a, our biggest outreach of the year is on Christmas Eve. Uh, we have three Christmas Eve services, and we get uh, anything from ten to twelve thousand people coming. Wow! On Christmas Eve. Uh, so it's really our biggest outreach. A lot of unbelievers come and uh, so we we seek to have you know uh, great music reach out to people and uh, I preach I'll preach a message and present the gospel what, um, what kind of music program does Calvary employ uh, we have uh, we, we would have what you might call blended music I'm not a I'm not a musician, but uh, we have a huge organ. In fact, it's one of the largest organs in the world, believe it or not, mm. at Calvary. So we we have a, um, a magnificent organist. Uh, we have a choir, but we also have an orchestra. We have a band. So we have a mixture. We we may like <clears throat> last Sunday we start with "Over a Thousand Tongues," something that mm-hmm. one of Charles Wesley's great songs, and then we may have something contemporary. We we do a lot of the Getty music, even though he is Irish. We use, uh, <laughs> you don't hold that against uh, Keith, then, right? Yeah, that's right. No, he's a, he's a good friend. They've been several times at Calvary. No, Keith, uh, we 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 joke with each other. So um, we have a mixture of that, and that really represents our congregation, which is uh, multi generational and multicultural. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Charlotte has people from all over the world coming, and many of them find themselves. Uh, coming through the doors of Calvary Church. So we have a, a big ministry there. And we put an emphasis, Mike, on a, a children's choir, a student choir. So we have a, a young woman who focuses on the, she's a next generation uh, worship assistant and developing uh, the music ability and teaching little children about worship. And they participate from time to time in our in our uh, service. So that is, uh, I think, uh, in, in God's grace, I think that's been one of our one of our strengths. And, uh, and also in the kindness of God, we've not got involved in any of the worship wars. Our, our congregation seems to be united. It's not mm-hmm. to say that everyone uh, enjoys everything. No doubt some people would like a little more uh, of one you know, one type of music rather than the other, but it's not a matter of contention. So we're very thankful that our 
worship is directed to God, it's God-centered, it's not a performance, we're mm-hmm. there to glorify God, and that we are, in fact, participating. A lot of worship now, uh, Mike, is almost spectator. Mm-hmm. You know, you have so good true. musicians, and we spectate, and we, we want no, we want to get the congregation singing. The human voice, I think, is our, our greatest uh, musical instrument. And I love worship. I'm Worship is such a part. I was privileged to be a worship leader for uh, about 40 years, all totaled. And uh, that that was great. Now I'm just, uh, I'm kind of a player on our worship team. I get to play electric. And this coming Sunday, I'm uh, going to be uh, up there playing an electric guitar in that uh, worship team. So that's going to be exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I love the fact that you've got the wide range of orchestra and you've got the band, but you also have th- that organ as well, which that has to sound spectacular on a Sunday oh, it morning. Is. It's, and it, it is, uh, yeah, there's something like 11,000 pipes. Oh, my goodness. Me. I have not counted them, but it is you know, <laughs> five, five keyboards, and uh, it's it's absolutely magnificent. Uh, we use it at uh, uh, weddings, I mean, for a bride coming in with that with that organ playing, it is uh, phenomenal. It's got to be. Um, it's got to be wonderful. Now yeah. we have we have a lot of people in Florida that love to go to Charlotte and other spots. They are, even if they don't uh, end up vacationing in Charlotte, they often pass through, and they may well want to join you at Calvary. What's the web address for Calvary there? It is www.calvarychurch.com. That easy. Calvarychurch.com. Dot com. Yeah, it is that. Yes. That, uh, easy. We're on the we're on the web, and uh, we would love to we would love to uh, see them. Yes, people coming down from Canada, from from Ohio, Michigan, whatever. Uh, sometimes stop in Charlotte, so we get uh, people like that from time to time, and they're always welcome. Well, we'll love to uh, visit you as well ourselves. That sounds like something I, I want to make a part of my list once I'm up there again in North Carolina. My guest today is Dr. John Monroe, and we'll be back with him for segment three coming up in just a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike here on The Shepherd. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. If you've considered the natural beauty of a wood floor, then go with a winner. Ability Wood Flooring has been a trusted source and family-owned and operated since 1950. Ability Wood Flooring is voted best of the best and are featured on A&E's Zombie House Flipping. Ability proudly works with Florida's top builders, winning many awards in the Parade of Homes. Get a free design consultation today. AbilityWoodFlooring.com on the line with me as we are in the calm waiting for the storm here as this is recorded on Wednesday uh, is my guest, Dr. John Monroe, who is the lead pastor at Calvary Church in Charlotte. And um, he is originally from Scotland and came to the U.S., attended the uh, wonderful seminary, Dallas Theological Seminary and got both his master's and doctorate degrees there, served as a pastor in Pittsburgh, and then ultimately in Charlotte. And you mentioned something, the background that you had in law while you were in Scotland, uh, you mentioned the fact that you became a person who had a strong sense of justice. And it just seems to me that that is what we need in this country. Uh, And it seems that that has greatly disappeared in our civil government. I'm wondering, and I know you've had to have the same thought, what in the world ever happened to the rule of law? Uh, Yeah, I think that's a a great, uh, great question. I think, and, and it's a huge one, and I don't profess to have all the answers to it, but it, it seems for me, to me, being uh, you know not a politician, but just observing what's going on, Mike. It, it seems to me that politics um, 
has become more important than justice, than righteousness, than the rule of law. And that political ideology, whether it's on you know, the extreme left or the extreme right, shapes people uh, more than, you might say, these traditional American values. Uh, what's America known for? It's known for justice. It's known for being generous. It's known for the rule of law. It's known for stability and, and things like that. And I think that, that we um, as a nation are forgetting that, are forgetting that heritage. And I realize, uh, you know, you can't go back in a sense, but uh, a lot of the politicians to me are uh, more concerned with preserving power and to preserve the power, they've got to uh, be strongly critical of the opponent. And mm -hmm. some of the, the personalized attacks are, are, are really obnoxious. And contrary to, certainly contrary to Scripture, we would, we would tell our children not to talk like that. And so these values uh, of uh, even in law, of uh, you know, justice um, and uh, equality under the law, uh, these things were gunning. People, people speak of judges in a very derogatory way in Scotland. I don't know if it still is the case, but there, there was a law against against. It was called murmuring against judges. That you, you were meant to respect judges. You could appeal. You could disagree with their decisions. But now the, as I say, the vitriol uh, against them, and that impacts judges. And then judges sometimes become. Instead of uh, interpreting the law, uh, their own personal views are are shaping their decisions, and that, that, that to me that is very wrong. Uh, the, the judge is there to interpret the law; he's not there to make the law. And um, so we we've got away from some of these basics, uh, Mike. And to me, it stems that as a nation, uh, we're, we're forgetting God; we've, we're forsaking God, like ancient Israel. And we're worshiping ourselves, our wealth, our sport, mm -hmm. rather than worshiping God. And that is the huge problem. And this is where the church needs to be strong uh, and to preach the word of God, the whole counsel of God, and above all, to proclaim uh, the, as Paul would say, to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. You know, there had to be something just crazy for you to watch in 2020, with the whole George Floyd thing and the resulting defunding the police call that went out and what we saw happen out in Oregon uh, with the CHOP district and just out-and-out out rebellion and lawlessness, that had to be a shock for you and your wife. Yeah, it, it, it is. And you can't have no-go areas. You can't have areas where a particular segment of the community take over streets or the center of a town and deface public buildings and set fire to cars. Um, and uh, the police and the civil authorities, in a sense, stand back and mayors of a city seem to think this is all right. And the idea to defund the, 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 the police, in my view, is nonsense. You, scripture tells us that, the, that that is for the wrongdoer. There will always be wrongdoers. We know that from our theology, that the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. So there's always going to be people who break the law, and therefore you need uh, law enforcement, police officers, you need courts, you need, you need prosecutors, you need def uh, defense attorneys to protect the rights of the individual. And if that breaks down, you have anarchy. But I think, Mike, some people, that's what some people want. I think, uh, uh, want there, there are, I think there are plenty of our politicians that are wanting that. Mm -hmm. It would appear so, to be. I, I think it, I think we have to be careful as followers of Christ that what is shaping us is not a political ideology, but is the Word of God, and that was uh, that is my strong conviction, um, Mike. That uh, we 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 need preachers who will preach not their own ideas, but will preach the Word of God in the power of God, and to preach the. Uh, the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. That's going to change uh, people. Now, I have a question for you on that. I think uh, all pastors would agree that preaching the gospel, preaching the, the word of God, I love the fact that you are an exegetical preacher. 
you preach with uh, the the whole book you go through. Uh, expository preaching is the way to go. I am convinced. What do you think about the role that ministers have in terms of using that platform, using preaching and the Word of God as it relates to our civil lives? Do you see a place where a a pastor is going to get into the fray of addressing issues that are going on in the country. Well, I, I think yes and no. I, I think that you know the word of God um, impacts all of life. So where you have situations in life in our society which are contrary to Scripture, uh, you know the preacher can isolate himself from that, but he's got to be careful that he's preaching the Word, and he's not preaching his own ideas, that he's not uh, um, preaching some political ideology. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got, you've got for example, um, the whole issue of, uh, of same-sex marriage, transgenderism. Um, when I was going through Matthew and coming to the, the chapter about marriage and divorce and so on, I, I preached about six messages on... Um, you know, Jesus and gender, and dealt very strongly, felt first dealing with the biblical basis of marriage, which is contrary to our society, where you can just, you know, two men can marry each other if they say they love each other. I dealt with that, and then dealt with homosexuality, the gay issue, dealt with it, I think, in a compassionate way, but a biblical way, and dealt with transgenderism, because we have a whole generation, Mike, growing up, where they're being taught that that is all right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, and, I, and, and so yeah, I, preacher, yeah, I can't ignore that. Um, and I'm saying this is, and it's not dealing with a political matter. I'm not saying vote Republican or Democrat. I have my own thoughts, of course. But in saying this is the Word of God. And here is how God defines marriage. And that is defined not by, not by Congress or a politician of the Supreme Court, but by God. It's God who made us in the beginning and made us male and female. And so that's a huge debate, huge matter in our society, as you know, the same with transgenderism, and saying, no, uh, God made us male and female. We don't go from one to the other. We don't choose to be male or female. That's part of who we are. It's it's part of our, our genetic structure. So we're living in a crazy society where professing to be wise, we become fools. So I think the preacher with wisdom through prayer and the power of the Spirit uh, has to address such issues uh, as that, but not in a partisan political way, Mm -hmm. which is going to divide people, but to declare the Word of God. And we had, when I did that series, we had gay people who came, but they're welcome, but this is our... This is, the, this is what Jesus says. It's not my ideas, and we have to preach it um, with that try, with that perfect balance of grace and truth. Did you get pushback from, the, let's say, the city, any in the community where you live uh, for that message? Uh, it's, uh, some pushback, but I found, uh, Mike, something uh, which in some way was, was encouraging, but in some way sad, that you find out these gays... They're broken people, and and some of them are really confused. And uh, one couple leaving said to one of our members, uh, who uh, they they knew they were gay, and they said that we really appreciate you coming. And and the the fellow said to to the lady who's a member, and she said, yeah, it was a hard message for us to hear because I had dealt with the scripture view of uh, sexuality. Uh, but here's the point, Mike. He said, I'm glad the pastor gave us hope. Mm, that's great. And I thought, that is the hope of the gospel. So the only message, Mike, which goes to whoever, isn't it? It is. It doesn't matter who you are, whatever your situation, if you're alive, this is a message of hope and of transformation to you that, that Christ came into this world to save sinners. Oh, and Paul was it. the chief of sinners. And uh, this is the message of hope, I think. So... There's a way of communicating it with hope, so it's not of condemnation, that we are not these uh, harsh, uh, personally judging people. Um, and, and to me, the only way to do that is to be true to Scripture. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think the focus has got to be what does the Word of God say. 
any congregation when they hear preaching that is right, solid, on point from the Word of God, it creates a joyful lightness in our heart and our spirit. We know we've heard truth from God. But what you've just described, it's true for the people who are hearing it, who are being affected by it as well. When they hear the truth, it sets it just rings true as being something from God, right? Well, yeah, we are broken people, aren't we? Yes. And and with all of the departure from from Scripture that uh, is going on in our society, what is the result? Joyful people? No. People who are very anxious, uh, people who are very afraid, people who are very violent, uh, people who are very angry, and people who are very broken. And what's the answer to that? Uh, the answer is the answer is the gospel. That's and right. So, um, you know, the, the remember Jeremiah says, you, my, "My people have done two evils. They've they've, they've drunk from the uh, the stale waters and they've forsaken the fountain of living water." And that's what our society has mm-hmm. done. They've forgotten God. God, as it were, gives them over to that, but it's the water is very bitter, and it is not the everlasting water that uh, Christ offers. Wow. Um, That's so yeah. good. So good, sir. I am so grateful that you're a part of us right now on The Shepherd. And uh, this is really wonderful to have you on, Dr. John Monroe. I've so enjoyed chatting with you today and so appreciate the ministry that you have in Charlotte, as well as on the program, The Verdict, heard here on The Shepherd Radio. And it's heard every morning at 1130, just after the break, and then again at night at 8.05 p.m. It's just great to have you. Thank you for being with me today. Oh, my my uh, my joy, and uh, thanks for having us on The Shepherd. It's our privilege to partner with you, Mike, and we, we pray that the seed sown will bring forth an abundant harvest. I agree completely. Our guest today, Dr. John Monroe from Calvary Church in Charlotte, also from The Verdict. Thank you for being with us. Friends, stay safe. We'll see you next time on Afternoons with Mike. <music> 